It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Diggers podcast here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Statz-Guerrera. It is Friday. Michelle Monduk is here. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. We already have a comment on YouTube saying mimosa time, and they are right. Mimosa Michelle is here today. Ready to have a good time and talk about the 49ers getting a win. It's time for a win, baby. Yes, I love it. The bye week is over. It felt like so when you lose going into your bye week, it makes it feel so much longer, especially when you lose three straight. But before we get to any of that, any of the football stuff, and I promise we'll get to all of it. We have best bets, everything. We're wearing the same shirt. Listen, I said yours has a hood. Mine does not. So mine is elite. We are both wearing the homage old school 49ers throwback logo. Uh, I have the hoodie version. You do. This is like an homage ad that was totally unprompted and unplanned. But uh, if you do. All I, all I wear now is homage stuff. Like they're the most comfortable sweatshirts <laughs> yeah. and t-shirts in my life. And it's not I'm like literally not even just saying that because, you know, they're a sponsor. I just love their stuff. And if you want to check it out, there's a link in the description of this episode, whether you're watching the stream or you're listening to the podcast, just click the link in our description. It'll take you right to the 49ers collection. Have a feeling we might be seeing some new homage stuff pretty soon. That's all I'll say about that. Um, All right, let's get into it, Michelle. Week 10, 49ers on the road in Jacksonville, early body clock game, maybe potentially some rain in the forecast. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not. And I mean, now we have, it's still such the tiniest of sample size, right? But we have these home road splits with Brock Purdy and it's all the way from last year. And I brought this up before they before they went to Cleveland, right? Before their losing streak started, I was, I looked at his home road splits. He is so much better at home than he is away. And obviously that's continued. He has played one more game at home than away or started one more game home than away, but he has nearly the identical amount of pass attempts home and away. 176 home, 172 away. He averages 10.3 yards per attempt at home, 7.7 away. He has a 74 completion percentage at home, 62.8 away. 15 pass touchdowns to three interceptions at home, eight touchdowns to four away. Like numbers are drastically different. Now, I will say, I bet you that most quarterbacks experience some sort of fall off home road. That is not shocking in and of itself but the amount of the drop-off that's that's interesting and you know we've talked about Brock dealing with adversity right how he doesn't look the same when he's trailing 
Well, being on the road is also adverse conditions, too. Uh, that That is a little concerning, and it's definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on. Although I do feel like you should be able to move the ball against this defense. The Jags are 30th against the pass. 30th. They generate turnovers, yes, but they give up a lot of yards. Yeah, they're kind of in the Steelers' way that way, where they're not allowing a lot of points, and it's because like the, the turnovers, right? They're very much bend, don't break, and it's not a fun way to watch as a fan, just so you know. But <laughs> these teams are going in very different directions right now, right? They both had their bye, but before their bye, I mean, Jaguars are on a five-game winning streak. The 49ers are on a three-game losing streak. So it feels like the Jaguars are on this high, and everyone's giving them so many props, and, you know, everyone's worried about the 49ers. But I think that's almost the perfect way to come into this game. It's going to feel like the 49ers are underdogs. I don't – I. I know they're technically favorites, uh, according to Vegas, but yeah. I do think like in the media before the game, a lot of people are going to pick the Jaguars to win. It's going to feel like that underdog situation. And I do just think the 49ers are a much better team than the Jaguars. I don't think, I know the Jaguars will make the playoffs. They're going to have a good record. I don't actually think of them as very strong contenders at all. Well, you know, I know everyone can, you can cite this for every team, but, Let's just look at who the Jaguars have beaten on the season. It's not exactly a murderer's row, Michelle. They've beaten the Colts twice. They've beaten the Falcons. They did beat Buffalo. They've beaten the Saints, and they've beaten the Steelers. Their two losses are to Houston and Kansas City. So it's not exactly like they're giant killers. I'll say that. So they may not be as good as their record looks right now. And there's no reason the 49ers can't win this game. Yeah, it does come down to how close do they keep it, right? Because it does seem like the 49ers struggle to win close games. They either blow out their opponents or... So I know we are all, you, this whole record has been going around, right? About Kyle Shanahan being 1-30 when his team's losing. Or 1-... Whatever the record is. When they're losing by one possession, right? In the fourth quarter. But he's actually... Kyle Shanahan is 1-30 when trailing by more than three points entering the fourth quarter. So I know we talked about this last week. Like, I'm sure most teams, you know, it's really hard to come back losing seven, eight points, right? You don't know how many points he's losing. Maybe it's 10. But losing by just more than three points, one and 30. Only the Panthers have a worse record since 2017, since Kyle Shanahan has been there with the 49ers. So that's not the best of news. That's not great. And again, three or more means, you know, every game where they're losing by a bunch in the fourth quarter is included in that too. But the thing that worries you is that it's the second worst. That's, you know, like whatever the record is, mostly everybody's been better than that. And that includes teams with good quarterbacks, teams with bad quarterbacks. We know the plan for the 49ers. Get up, get up early, hopefully by multiple scores and pour it on. The, The test for this team by their own Description. Fred Warner said it multiple times two weeks in a row is can they do it in a close game? Can they do it when they're behind or will they be behind in this game? Michelle, there is a there is a possibility. Niners get the ball first score. Stop Jacksonville. Get the ball back. Score again. And they're off and running. We don't know, but you need to be able to have a backup plan. You need to be able to win in multiple ways. And right now. It looks like the 49ers can only win in one way, including now moving their defensive coordinator from the booth to the sideline because, well, that's what they did with Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. I'll say listening to you and Levin talk about this whole move to the sideline was just (laughs) so annoying yesterday. (laughs) I will will just say that because, like, I feel like you're not understanding what Levin's saying and Levin's not understanding what you're saying. Like, you're totally talking about two different things at some point. It is. I mean, if as players, if you want to be able to talk to your coach, it is just 1000 times easier to have him on the sideline instead of being like, hey, can you communicate to this to him? Like tell someone else, then they tell him and then they tell that person back and then they tell the player or they have to call. Like you don't have much time. Like it's all fast. You don't have time to get on the phone and call them. You don't know who else they're talking to. Like it is so much easier for the players to talk to their coach when they're on the sideline that you cannot deny that. I mean, it's just straightforward thinking. Is it easier? Yeah. Yes. By 1,000. No one's saying it's impossible to talk to someone. We all get there's phones and there's technology. No one said impossible. We're saying easier. Like a a gazillion times easier. A thousand times easier. I disagree. Because what if you're Steve Oaks on the sideline and you got 16 people talking to you at once? Like the opposite is true. At least, But it's nice to be able to get your whole group together and talk to them at one time. You cannot do that on the phone. 
Wilkes camp, but other it, again, he's not coaching this team by himself. There's position coaches, there's linebacker coaches, there's defensive line coaches. I think it's I think the problems that they have are not fixed by Steve Wilkes being on the sideline. They no, might it's not really going to make that big of a difference, but the, it was the whole thing with Matt Canada going to the sideline. Now I will say it was his best game he's called ever. I, I, it really was. He scored it, twenty points. Listen, I talked about this. That was. A lot of errors on the players' side. I hate Matt Canada more than anything. I <laughs> thought he called a brilliant game, and there was a lot of errors by Kenny Pickett and some of the other playmakers. I mean, George Pickens had 500 yards to get his feet down, and he just decided to take the biggest leaps of all time to not score a touchdown. It's like there, there's a lot of things there, right? So I don't know. Him being on the sideline at work for one game. We'll see if it works more than that. Maybe. But you got to try something, right? I think it's okay to try something different. Well, why aren't we saying that about Kyle Shanahan's offense? He's only scored 17 Because points. it's Kyle Shanahan, and it's a huge reason I do not like him. Because he does not ever take the blame for well, anything. I mean. It's always someone else's fault. And I think the 49ers have been doing that for all their losses. The Cleveland loss, it was because Jake Moody missed the kick at the end, right? The Vikings loss, it was because Steve Wilkes called a zero blitz at the end of the first half. Think about how absurd that sounds. We lost the game because of one blitz call at the end of the second quarter. And then last week it was, well, Steve Wilkes needs to be on the sideline. And we could have adjusted if we just had him on the sideline against Cincinnati. Like, when is it going to be our fault? Like, when is it just like, hey, we sucked? Which, by the way, I mean, I know that play call was terrible, but it also was defended pretty well. I mean... Ward was right on him. It was Ward, right? He he yeah, was right was on. Good. He could have picked it off and or just tackled him when he caught it and neither yeah, thing happened. It was I think all it was a bad call, just the principle of it, because they had no timeouts and there was so little time left in the half. I don't like yeah. the call. But also, like it almost worked out for the 49ers. But I just think it's absurd to point to that one play again when the offense only scored 17 points. But whatever. That's what they're doing this week. And I hope they're out of excuses. I hope they're out of patience, frankly. I want this team to look desperate. I want a desperate 49ers team on the field in Jacksonville. Yeah, and the thing is, the Jaguars' offense is not nearly as good as it should be. Like, they should be mm -hmm. putting up points weekly. They have so many weapons. Travis Etienne is doing his thing. He's looking great. I mean, the only person that has more scrimmage yards among running backs than Travis Etienne this year is Christian McCaffrey. So it's like... He is doing his thing on that offense. They have the wide receivers in Kelvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, and they'll get Zay Jones back. They have Evan Ingram, who's a good pass catching tight end. Like, and Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be, you know, the next amazing quarterback of all time. They should be putting up more points than they do. So I'm really not worried about this offense. I will say I'm a little bit more, more worried about their defense than I am their offense because it all just depends on what Brock Purdy shows up. Is it the one that's turning over the ball right. or the one that? You know, we saw in his first 10 starts. Jags offense, 14s are wild. They are 14th in yards. They are 14th in pass yards. And they are 14th in rush yards. Like, that is so weird. But it yeah. has not been, like, this high-flying offense that dominates you. Even though I agree, like, they have good players. You feel like they should be greater than the sum of their parts. But they're kind of not right now. I think part of the reason is their offensive line has not been good. Now, luckily for Jacksonville, the five starters that they envisioned at the beginning of the year look like they're going to be back on the field for this game for the first time all year. So maybe it's better, but in reality, Trevor Lawrence has been under pressure a lot. It's part of the reason they've uh, used so many screen passes. I think they lead the league in screen passes. They try to get the ball out of Trevor's hands very quickly, but when he doesn't do that, he's under pressure almost 50% of the time. So the Niners should be able to get pressure in this one. And on those screen passes, especially to Travis Etienne, they got to tackle. I mean, you can't be missing these tackles like they've been missing. Fred Warner, I'm talking to you. You cannot be missing these tackles. They because yep. Travis Etienne, if he he gets in the space, he's gone. He has the speed. He is super slippery. You got to tackle him right away. Uh, he's not a big dude, so you, he can be tackled. It's just do not let Travis Etienne into space because he's going to gain 40 yards on the play. Joseph Faccio. Is it Fascio? Fascio? I apologize, Joseph. Let me know in the comments. Uh, says, remember the movie 300? The 49ers offense is like the phalanx. If one unit is down, it's vulnerable and doesn't work. I've said that forever. The whole thing has to work perfectly. And if one piece is off, it doesn't function. And that's what we've seen lately with the 49ers. Whether it's the offensive line getting blown up, whether it's Brock Purdy throwing turnovers, whatever the case may be, the offense has been bad. For three weeks, it has been bad. It has certainly been 
below what you would expect an offense with multiple all pros on it to be. Now, Debo's coming back. Maybe Trent is going to play. It's looking positive, so maybe they can get back to that. But it needs to be better without question. Yeah, I mean, Trent Williams really needs to get back. Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore has been pretty atrocious uh, starting for him, playing for him. He's allowed 13 pressures and a sack in the two games Williams has missed. Williams allowed 12 pressures, zero sacks in the six games he played. So uh, fewer pressures in six games compared to what Jalen Williams has allowed in just two games. And like Josh Allen, the non-quarterback Josh Allen, the Josh Allen for the Jaguars. He, I, I do think he's overrated, right? Cause he was drafted highly, but he's still a good pass rusher. And I really don't want him going up against Jalen Moore, please. Like, Trent Williams, I don't, if you're hobbled, you're still going to be better than Jalen Moore. You would hope because Jalen Moore is, yeah, it's not, there's a drop off there. Let's just say that, which by the way, there's a drop off everywhere when you go from starting offensive lineman to backup offensive lineman. But the problem is Trent Williams is God. So it's really (laughs) noticeable when he's not in there, but again, hopefully he's back. He was back on the practice field Wednesday. He was back on the practice field Thursday. That's obviously trending in the right direction. He usually misses a few games every year. And a lot of times it is that ankle, which Kyle Shanahan said, like part of the reason he's been taking a little while to get back is because basically his ankle was screwed up after all these years of playing in the NFL. There's like some old issues that were in there. So they they're just out of excuses at this point. There's just no reason. Can I just rant for a second about Trevor Lawrence? I don't want to seem like I'm a Trevor Lawrence hater. I'm really not. I I wasn't, I never thought of him as this prospect coming out of school that he was this God, right? I never really saw it at Clemson. He was good, like really good. He should have went first overall. No questions about it. Is a first overall prospect for sure. But I never thought like, wow, he's going to just dominate. And he, he just really hasn't. He has not in the NFL yet. But Brock Purdy is being like, see, he's just Brock Purdy. Like, he sucks. When, by the way, he's still, what, not even 15 starts into the year, Lawrence, or into his career. Lawrence Mm -hmm. is at three seasons now. But just looking at this season alone, Trevor Lawrence is being talked up like he's really taking this step forward. Like, he's looking real good. But Brock Purdy sucks, right? 2023 season only. They have the same exact completion percentage. Purdy is averaging more passing yards per game than Lawrence. He's averaging two more passing yards per attempt than Lawrence. He is his pass touchdown to interception ratio is 12 to five. Lawrence has nine touchdowns, four interceptions. So killing Lawrence in that area, passer rating 105.4 for Purdy, 93.6 for Lawrence. Lawrence is supposed to be the special elite prospect. He's in his third year now. And Brock Purdy is still dominating his metrics. But no, it's Purdy who sucks and, you know, isn't the real deal. But Lawrence is fine. Lawrence is great. I have always, whoops, that's the wrong thing. I have always been, let's hold the horses on Trevor Lawrence. I got to see him do it. He, You know, he was bad his rookie year, which everyone's giving a complete pass for because Urban Meyer was there. And look, Urban Meyer was terrible. So even I give him a little bit of a pass for that. But if you look at the numbers this year, he hasn't really blown you away. He hasn't He's, had more than two touchdowns in any game this year. Once the, uh, oh. against Indy, he had two. But no, I said more than two. Oh, more than two. My bad. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, two touchdowns twice this year. Every other game, one touchdown. Completion percentage is up there. Yeah, but. It hasn't been, he's not Andrew Luck. Like, let's just say that he's not, like, he has been talked. He was compared to Andrew Luck coming out of school. Like the, the greatest, safest prospect since Andrew Luck. He has not been Andrew Luck. Not anymore. Also, his completion percentage is up. I don't have his air yards per attempt, but they have to be super low. If all he's averaging right. this year are 7.1 yards per attempt and your completion percentage is high. That means your passing yards per attempt should be high, but that just means you're, you're throwing super short and that, if your passing yards per attempt is still low and then that just that totally disregards your completion percentage then yeah if you're throwing short you're gonna complete a lot of passes it's so funny uh two comments let's see if i can find them back to back there's one comment that says i agree with michelle about shanahan he never takes accountability and then there's this from glass city who says you think rob would be a little more objective when it comes to kyle but no it's all loaning about how Kyle is selfish and he never takes accountability. It's BS. He doesn't take accountability. He made Steve Wilkes apologize for one blitz call in the second quarter. Okay. And now he's moving him down to the sideline. He's telling the world it's his fault. Yet his offense has scored 17 points a game 
the last three weeks and we don't hear anything about him. Listen, uh, like if the same play happened for Kyle Shanahan on his offense that happened to Wilkes when he had apologized, you know what Shanahan would have said? Execution. If he just executed it, <laughs> if Ward just executed the play, it's fine, right? Then Wilk should have just came out and used what Shanahan always says. If they execute my plan to perfection, everything would have been fine. Everything all, would be great. All I'm asking for is total perfection, <laughs> to quote Will Farrell. And, you know, like, for example, the Wilkes thing. What did he say? Oh, he knows he messed up. And then when he has a little paid radio hit with KMVR, which way less people pay attention to, he says, oh, yeah, well, I guess I could have called a timeout before that play, so it's on me. It's like, yeah, you should have said that from the beginning, dude. You're the head coach. The buck stops with you. He absolutely does not take accountability. And he, uh, to me, they're scapegoating Wilkes in this. The 49ers and also, off- it's not like he's worried about taking timeouts in that situation. If you have timeouts left before half, you're just right. – it's not you're like saying- you're saving them for anything. I I didn't get it. I don't like that he did that. I don't like what they're doing with Wilkes. The 49ers give up the fewest points per game in the entire NFC. Their fourth fewest points per game in the league. So, like, we can sit here and talk about Wilkes and how it hasn't been great the last three weeks, and I agree there are issues to fix. But let's stop acting like this defense has, you know, never been worse. That's just not the case. They've had stretches. Yeah, I, I- I think that's what the thing is with the 49ers here. It's like they allow touchdown and everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, right. because they're so used to them being so dominant for stretches, right? And it's been, I mean, last year to the second half of the year, especially in the beginning of this year, they were so dominant. So now mm-hmm. that teams are getting some yards and scoring a bit, it's like it feels like the world is ending, right? And, like, their defense is just terrible. It's like they're still a pretty good defense. Like, they're still a really good defense. Like, they're you're going to have these stretches where you can't – stop everybody they've had stretches like this every year since 2019 i went back and looked it up they have had at least a three-game stretch where they've given up more points per game than they've given up in this stretch every single year since 2019 in 2021 they gave our 2020 excuse me they gave up more than 24 points a game the whole year in 2021 they gave up 25 points a game for eight games to start the season so this is not a new phenomenon Oscar says, I think you're right, Rob. Shanahan is starting to feel the pressure of winning at all. So he's being rash and making impulsive moves, moving Wilkes to the sideline. Shout out to you, Oscar, for being a YouTube channel member. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. Just go to our uh, YouTube channel page, goldstandardnetwork.com. Not now. This is our time. Click on it afterwards. You'll see the join button. You can click right there. Uh, let's see. Glass city is back. Oh my God. All you've been saying all week is that the players on D need to execute better. It's not all on Wilkes. The second we mention execution on the offense, you roll your eyes and scoff. That's a double standard. No, 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 no. I, I think he was missing my sarcasm with that comment. I was, I was being sarcastic. That's what Shanahan always says execution. So I was saying Wilkes should say that. That was the point I was, right. I was making that point. Like I was being sarcastic. There's plenty of blame to go around. Players need to execute better. Yes, that's true. 32 missed tackles in the last three weeks. That's not on the coaches. That's on the players completely. That is not on Steve Wilkes. Totally agree. But the coaches also need to take accountability. And right now, it feels like the only guy that's taking accountability is Steve Wilkes. So, look, they have the opportunity to do it this week. They should be able to score points against this Jags defense. They should be able to. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to. They should be able to move the ball, particularly through the air. Like we said, Jacksonville's 30th against the pass and stick it in the damn end zone. Yeah, what's interesting is Purdy has been, since week six, right, has been terrible against zone defense. That's where his four intercept, four of his interceptions came from. He has zero touchdowns, 67 passer rating against zone. The Jaguars uh, play zone defense the second highest rate in the NFL. So just something to keep an eye on, see if he keeps struggling with that. He didn't struggle with that earlier in his career. Like, I mean, he was amazing against everything. For I mean, until just since week six, right? This is where he's kind of been falling apart. So just something to keep an eye on if he keeps struggling against the zone. Maybe that's the way defenses have figured him out. But also then on the other side, it does seem like bad matchups for the 49ers on both sides. And I'm saying all this, and I do truly believe the 49ers win this game. But with Trevor Lawrence, he is really good when teams don't blitz him, right? He is top five in the league in completion percentage and passer rating when teams do not blitz him this year. The 49ers blitz at the fifth lowest rate in the NFL this year. 
I don't know if that will increase the chase young there or whatnot, but that's kind of more of a scheme thing, not really a player personnel thing. So uh, that's just two things to keep an eye on. Just maybe that's why Lawrence finds more success. Maybe Purdy struggles a little bit, but again, at the end of the day, I really truly believe the 49ers defense will play better. The Jaguars offense is highly overrated and I think they're going to win this game. Let's go baby. And we didn't really talk about chase young. I'm so excited to see chase young. Cause I really do think he is going to be so much better than anything they've had opposite Nick Bosa this year. He's he's way better than Drake Jackson, which, by the way, Drake Jackson is now third on the depth chart. He was already behind Randy Gregory. Now they bumped him to third because it's Chase Young, Randy Gregory, and then Drake Jackson. That tells you all you need to know about him. He ain't it. Yeah. It's over for Drake Jackson. Like Which sucks because it really feels like he put everything into it this offseason to be the best he could be. Yep. Like, uh, you can't say he didn't put in the effort, but maybe he just doesn't have the right talent, or maybe this isn't the right scheme for him, right? Maybe he joins another team later and he finds success, but yeah, that because it does, it did really seem like he put everything into being great and it just didn't work out for him, at least this season so far. Right. Three sacks against Pittsburgh in week one, none of which were his doing. He was kind of in the right place at the right time. None since then. And I mean, when Randy Gregory signs and immediately outsnaps him the next game, you knew it was not looking good for Drake Jackson. And now, like I said, he's third on the depth chart. But I think Chase Young could have a major, major boost because he's going to make everybody else's job along that defensive line better. I'm not saying he's going to get 10 sacks the rest of the way, but I think he's going to be an actual threat on the other side of Nick Bosa. And that just wasn't there before this. Yeah, it's not even that. See, this is what I don't think the problem is because I know you hate to hear quarterback pressures, but 140 quarterback pressures this year, third in the NFL, led the NFL before their bye, right? They're getting pressures. And I, I, I get that you have to come down with the sack, but when teams are able to get the ball out of their hands quickly because the secondary sucks, you can't get sacks. Like you need a second to be able to get these sacks. No, even the best pass rushers, like there's a certain amount of time you need to actually land a sack unless you're just not blocked whatsoever. I, I like, I think, I don't mind the chase young. I mean, it, he was so incredibly cheap and like, you're going to get the pick back even if you don't want to sign him. And then you have first dibs to sign him if you want to, I, I get why they got chase young, but I don't think the defensive line was the issue. I think it's a hundred percent. The secondary, I think they're relying way too much on Hufanga being good just because he got some picks last year. I don't think he's actually good. They're relying on a super old to Sean Gibson. That's why I wasn't high on him this year and then you only have Traverius Ward who right now is playing like an just an average corner at best over the last few weeks and then the rest are garbage corners that you have the 49ers I don't want to say you because they're me now too <laughs> we have a garbage secondary and maybe the defensive line with Chase Young can help that out a little bit maybe they can get there a little bit faster maybe actually come down with some sacks but I don't think the issues with sacks this year has to do with the defense line the team was built for the defensive line to make life easier on the secondary. And the biggest but maybe if the secondary is so bad that they don't have a second to get the sack, then it doesn't matter. The, well, the biggest complaint from the team this year, it seems they kind of really have basically said it is that the coverage is not doing their part early to give that line time to get home. Yeah. And usually what the 49ers have done in the past is they play press coverage and or they take Greenlaw and Warner and they put them right at the line at the snap so that the quarterback and the offensive lineman too, by the way, are like, all right, hold on. Who's coming? Who's dropping into coverage? And when the ball is snapped, the offensive line and the quarterback have to take that extra beat to say, all right, to figure it out, right? Who's coming? Who's not? Okay. Once I figured that out now, who's open. And that has given that pressure, that defensive line, time to get to the quarterback and it's also protected the secondary and what the Niners are telling you is they are not doing that they are not working together those two parts of the team are not on the same page and that's why even with really good pressure the quarterbacks have been able to find answers very very quickly now the hope is that with Wilkes in the sideline that for some reason they'll be able to communicate better somebody will wave a magic wand I don't know but they think that's going to fix it I don't know if it will I doubt it will but who knows yeah. And I don't want, like, I know there's comments that are saying like Steve Wilkes is really underperforming. We're not saying he's a good coach, right? I don't think we have his back. I don't really know 
right? I don't know what the situation he's in. I don't know. Cause you say he doesn't even get to play his own scheme. I don't know what, what control he has. It's clearly not working under him. Right. <laughs> right now. We'll see if they turn it, but it was working for the beginning of the season. So maybe right, they can turn funny. it around. It'll be okay. I, that's why I like people are like, well, with their rankings are so low because of the first five games of the year. And I'm like, well, he was the coordinator for the first yeah. five games. He gets credit for that. Uh, Fire Wilkes says Steve Wilkes is underachieved everywhere he's been. The Niners played it cheap, not getting Fangio. Kyle Shanahan should shut the hell up and score more points. Vic Fangio, by the way, coaches from the booth. So would he have to go to the sideline? Like, so again, I don't know. I think they could be fine. I think the problems. Vic yes, Fangio's at DC for the Dolphins right now, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the 49ers have better defensive <laughs> stats than them across the entire board. So Yeah, I, that's that's just the name people know. So they they automatically pivot to that. There are problems on defense, but I think they are overblown. And I think the problems on offense are the much The Dolphins more- haven't beat a good team all year. Agreed. Or uh, like forever, but. All right. Oh, wait. Let's see. Joseph says, plus Rob with Wilkes on the sideline, the communication will be much better with players and coaches. Smiley face, hashtag left. <laughs> yeah, you and Levin are on this like. All right, great. Instantaneous communication is going to fix everything. We'll see. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's get into some best bets. You've got three for us this week. Am I right? I do. I've got a few myself. I've got a couple, maybe some aggressive things that I want your take on as well. What's your number one most confident best bet this week? The easiest bet every week against the 49ers is Christian Kirk, slot wide receiver. Of course, over 53 and a half receiving yards. A, he's just, he's hit this five of the last seven weeks. The two weeks he did it, it was 46 and 49 yards. So pretty close, right? But we know Isaiah Oliver is really, really bad, right? Oliver before their bye week has allowed the most yards and touchdowns (laughs) in slot coverage among all cornerbacks from weeks four through eight per PFF. So Isaiah Oliver has been performing extremely, extremely terrible lately and no team has allowed fewer tight window percentage of tight window throws in the slot than the 49ers this year so christian kirk is going to have space to work we know he's a good wide receiver he hits this number often to begin with and this is just a great matchup for him so over 53 and a half receiving yards for him it has happened too many weeks in a row for you to not take this bet and it doesn't matter who the quarterback is it doesn't matter who the opponent is it works so so often even when Kwan Williams was in the slot it just whatever they have not been able to fix that so I can't bet against you on this at all I would smash that over by Christian Kirk yeah yep yep but there's I don't know how he doesn't hit it do you want to give your your first one uh okay my first one is Debo Samuel anytime touchdown score okay. and I'm taking this over Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey is minus 185, which is so absurd. That means you have to bet $185 to win 100. That's how confident it is that Vegas that that's how confident Vegas is that McCaffrey's going to score. Debo is plus 160. He's plus money. He hasn't been out there. They're going to use the hell out of him and I think they're going to use Debo a lot cuz I don't think they're going to be able to run and I think the backup plan to that is Debo screen. And so he's going to get the ball in his hands. We know he's tough to tackle. He's going to have fresh legs in the red zone. They like to go to him as sort of their get out of jail free card because he could just make stuff happen on his own. So I think Debo's getting a touchdown and it's plus 160. 
Yeah, at this point, betting on Christian McCaffrey too, because you're like, okay, well, I can win. You know, if I bet $185, I just win a free hundred, right? Because he's gotten into the end zone now 17 times in a row. But sooner <laughs> or later, that streak has to stop. I'm not saying it's going to be this week. It could he, likely he gets in, right? But like, it is a crazy, crazy streak. So I like that from you with Debo. And I think this offense really needs Debo. I, I think he gets hated on by the fans some bit because he's not what he was in 2021. You know, it's been a while since we've seen that domination. But I do think he's so extremely important to this offense. Um, so I, I like that for you. My second one, Brock Purdy throws an interception, right? So it's over oh, half boy. of an interception. You get plus 105 odds. We know he's been throwing lots of interceptions as of late. Five interceptions over the last three games. The Jaguars have 11 interceptions this season, tied for the second most in the NFL. I think it's only one. I think he only throws one, and I don't think it comes in the fourth quarter. I don't think it derails them, but I do think he throws one in this game. I hope not. To me, that's the biggest factor in the game. If he, I don't care what his touchdowns are. He, if he doesn't throw a touchdown, you can easily still win this game. If he turns the ball over, I really think they got no shot. I think they have to, have to, have to protect the football. And that's another reason why I like my Debo Samuel bet. Because if Brock is throwing screens to Debo, he ain't putting the ball in harm's way, right? Like, that is a very safe throw that he can make that can gain the offense big yardage. So, I, I that's why I like Debo. And he better go under. You better lose money on this bet if you place it. Because they that's how the Jaguars stop you. That's what they do. They get turnovers. They allow yardage. So Brock protect the damn ball. And he talked about that yesterday about how he's got to know there are times when you force it. And there are times when you can't force it. You just have to live to play another down and how he has to learn that. And maybe he will as he matures in his career, but he's got to learn it fast. Yeah. But everything can't be short. I mean, the Jaguars defense does have good players and good players up front. Like you can't just keep going short. The reason why they have a lot of yards on them is because teams actually, you know, pass on them right so yeah. it can't just be a bunch of short stuff and you can't just be scared of these interceptions like i said i i think it'll be somewhere in the middle of the game it, obviously you never want an interception but i do think one comes in this game uh and then i'll give my last here and i'll let you do your last two but it's brandon Ayuk over 23 and a half longest receptions or longest bet. reception what'd you say you love these bets Oh, yeah, I do. But Ayuk, he leads all players that have 30-plus receptions this year in yards per reception at 17.7 yards per reception. Like, his average this year is crazy. And the Jaguars have allowed six receptions of 40-plus yards to just Ooh. wide receivers this year. Tied for second most in the NFL behind only the Commanders at seven. We know the Commanders suck. But they also allowed another 39-yarder that doesn't even count in this. So wow. like they're just one away from another 40 yard reception. So this is what I'm saying. It can't just be all short stuff. You got to pressure them deep because they could be beat deep. And I think IU comes down with one. Of the, I don't think it's going to be a 23 yarder. I think it'll be a 40 yarder. Like oh. it's going to be a, a, a deep one. Let's go baby. Yeah. Oh my God. This is how desperate I was to just see good things happening. I started watching like the Steeler game and the Cowboy game. I just wanted to see 49er highlights of like, Hey, this is what our offense looks like when it's actually functioning, you know, on all cylinders. I was desperate. These bye weeks are so long and lonely. I hate it. Um, okay. Yeah, you play at one o'clock. You don't got to wait. Right. That's also very good. I like that one. I'm going to go to Christian McCaffrey for my next one, but it's not a touchdown bet. It's actually McCaffrey's receiving total. 31 and a half. I'm taking the over. The Jags, I believe, have allowed seven uh, receptions per game to running backs so far this year. If you give Christian McCaffrey seven catches, he's going to have more than 31 yards. I'm sorry. I mean, he just will. He's just damn good. Between Kyle scheming open plays for McCaffrey and just Brock extending the play and finding him on the check down, which, by the way, please continue to do, Brock. Keep using your legs like you did last, last game against Cincinnati. That's a boon to this offense. But I think McCaffrey is actually going to have – I would bet him to have more receiving yards than rushing yards in the game, honestly. Yeah, the Jaguars are really, really good at stopping the run this uh, this year. So I could definitely envision the 49ers trying to run at first, realizing it's not going to happen, and then start just use it, using Christian McCaffrey in the passing game as their run game, right? Like a bunch yes. of short passes to him, and that's their run game on first down to get those first four or five yards instead of trying to run it. So I could, uh, yeah, he, he should definitely hit that. 
Strawberry React says, I've gone back and watched the Steelers game multiple times. It's a fun one to rewatch. They came out on fire that game. Need that this week. All right. We need to stop bringing up the Steelers 49ers game because it was not a fun memory for me. All right. By the way, how like that win has aged like wine for the 49ers early in the year. It was like, okay, they beat the Steelers. Now the Steelers are winning these games. Oh you look back God. and you're like, hey, that They're win the looks- worst winning team in the league. They're <laughs> stop. It still doesn't matter that they beat them. Hey, it looks good now. It looks even shinier than normal. Um, And then my other best bet is also a McCaffrey bet, and it's over his reception total, which is four and a half for the game. So I'm banking on a Christian McCaffrey God mode um, in this game because of the numbers that I cited earlier. And I think he's actually a little healthier than he has been because he was, you know, banged up with that oblique. Now he's had the bye week. So I'm going to take McCaffrey over four and a half catches also. And talking about like touchdowns here, I want Travis Etienne has to have a crazy odds touchdown too, because he gets in like two touchdowns each, like every week. It feels like, and I think it's been three weeks in a row. He's scored two touchdowns. Did you just totally ignore my Christian McCaffrey bet? I mean, I already talked about him getting receptions. <laughs> so I was going to say the same exact thing. Well, like, by yeah, the- I think he gets receptions. So if you're feeling really aggressive, this is one that I thought about putting money on and I'm too much of a chicken to do it. But if you bundle the McCaffrey reception yards, so over 31 and a half receiving yards, over four and a half receptions, which if you think he's getting one, you should feel comfortable taking the other. And then you put the anytime touchdown in there and bet that as a parlay, it's plus 242. That's it? No, like three legs and you only get plus 242. That's so you don't like the bet. I don't love any bet that you have to hit on three three parts of it to win any money, and it's only plus two forty two. No, it's not very good. You're not I'm not saying you can't hit. It makes it makes sense, right? He scores touchdowns every stinking week, and if you expect thirty something yards receiving, he's gonna. You know, I I get the logic, but it it seems easier than it is. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Vegas knows what they're doing, but I just yeah. my thinking in my head is like. Yes, you technically need three things to happen, but if one of those things happen, chances are the other two are also happening at the same time. You know what's going to happen, though, if you do that? He's going to have four receptions for 35 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> right, <laughs> and then you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah it's, that's true. I just, when I like individual bets like that, sometimes I'm like, well, if I like all the individual bets, why not bundle them? So I just had to check the numbers and look at it. and It was kind of convincing. The only thing I'm kind of bummed about is now that Debo's back, I don't think we're going to have a big Kittle game. Like I was considering taking some Kittle unders in this game because I think he's just going to fade back into oblivion in this offense. I am really interested to see Kittle's usage. Like I would love to see him still get targets with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel in the game. It's like we're just not – we haven't seen it now in so long. Like if both of those guys are healthy on the field, he doesn't get used. It would be pretty crazy if they just used IU Kittle and Devo and Christian McCaffrey. Isn't that the point of the offense is that you have all these guys at the same time, his receiving total for the game is 39 and a half yards. I seriously considered making the under one of my best bets. Imagine like having all those guys and feeling the need to, you know, target Juwan Jennings every five seconds. Right. Uh, there's the Jawan Jennings hate. It's back. His reception total for the game is three and a half. I would take the under. Honestly, I could see him getting three catches for 30 yards in the Kittle game. Kittle or Jennings? Kittle. Well, who, I'm not betting on anything for Jawan Jennings, but Kittle. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Kittle's not going to get four receptions. I don't think he is. Nope. No. No. It, so, I'm not saying he can't have a long reception or a touchdown, but yeah, I don't think he gets four receptions in this game. Nope, but but the Niners have an offense that's fully capable of putting up 30 points without that. And we've seen that this year. So there's this is no my biggest worry. So I so again, again, I do think the 49ers win this game, but there are pieces of this that worry me because Evan Ingram is kind of like a receiver, right? He moves in such a smooth way for a tight end. Now he doesn't have the best hands, but he is very, very athletic and a very and he's gotten better with the dropsies, right? But he will probably play in the slot a ton or in oh, that yeah. area where the 49ers struggle a ton. So it's not just Christian Kirk. It's also there. I, Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk could do some damage to this defense. And I'm a little bit worried about that. Absolutely. I expect Evan Ingram to do it. Um, and this, with the screens, I think there's going to be a lot of short passes. I think the Niners pass rushers are going to have to be aware of that. 
See, that, I think that would be giving the 49ers a gift. Like, I know they've been struggling with tackling lately. They'll figure that out. They have to target Lenore and Embry Thomas <laughs> and especially Isaiah Oliver. And it's like teams all of a sudden are like, oh, we're just going to keep targeting Ward nonstop. And it's been working for them. So I, I don't think you should be doing these short stuff against the 49ers. Like, I hope that's what the Jaguars come out to, and do because I trust Fred Warner to get his crap together and the front seven guys to get their crap together more than I do the secondary pieces. A big boost will be Dre Greenlaw. If Dre Greenlaw is back to himself, which apparently he took a bunch of pain medication to try and play in the Cincinnati game, and none of it worked. So that was why he looked like such a shell of himself out there. Kyle Shanahan even said we probably shouldn't have let him play, which, hey, Kyle, easy to say after the fact. How about you make that choice ahead of time? But uh, hopefully if he looks better, that he changes that whole defense too, because he brings the physicality. He sets the tone. It's not Warner. It's Greenlaw because he's a psycho out there. And he almost gets a flag on like every tackle because he's, he's such a physical player. If he's out there and he's hitting, I think that'll provide a little juice to the defense. And I think that would go a long way towards the Niners victory. Besides Trent Williams, is anyone else questionable to play? Uh, Debo has practiced in full the last two days. So he looks like he's going to go, uh, Aaron Banks is probably not going to go cause he's got the turf toe, but we knew that, you know, going back to last week, Kyle Shanahan talked about that. So no, I Kittle McCaffrey, Ayuk, all those guys are good to go. So, so like, both no, these teams are fully healthy. I think Who's Zay Jones team? is not going to play for Jacksonville. Oh, really? He, I thought he was trending to play. I could be wrong, but I thought that's what I saw today. Well, that's better for Christian Kirk. Um, but I think that most of the Jags players, I think they are getting most of their guys back. So, yeah, it's look, the Niners are better than the Jags. They have a better roster than the Jags. They should beat them. I don't care if the Jags are fully healthy or not. The 49ers should be able to handle this team. Let's go. Act like you're one of the best teams in the league again. Yeah, it is interesting just to see. I, I feel like. The Ravens have really proven the difference between AFC and NFC teams this year. I mean, back-to-back, I think it was back-to-back weeks. No, it may have been, there was a week in between. But the Lions, who are the second-best team right now in record in the NFC, right? And then the Seahawks, they were leading the division before facing the Ravens. And the Ravens were like, you guys don't matter. Like, you guys play in the NFC. Like, get out of here. Like, you're only good because you play in the NFC right now. And they destroyed them. I just feel like that's really eye-opening, right? So the 49ers need to prove, like, yeah, we're not a normal NFC team. We get the rest of these guys suck. But the Eagles and the 49ers, we are, we're like you, AFC teams. And we can destroy the not, you know, the non-chiefs of them. Not only did they beat the Lions and Seahawks. They beat them by a combined score of 75 to nine. <laughs> I knew the Seahawks had no chance in, in Baltimore. You were right. Yeah, I picked Seattle plus six in the that Seahawks game. Seahawks aren't for real. If it was in Seattle, maybe it would have been a closer game. The Ravens still won, but I, no one, like, those the fringe teams like the Lions and the Seahawks who are, yeah, they're good against the bad NFC teams. Sure, they're much better than them, and they're going to make the playoffs, most likely, but they're not in the realm of the Ravens and the chiefs and the bills and the Bengals. The Ravens have an argument for the best defense in the league. Also, they're really, I know. Good. I hate that. They're, I hate the, the, the team. I hate the most is the Ravens by far. It's not just because of this year. I just, you know, always the Ravens are my number one. hated team. And it's so annoying that they're so good. Great. Glad we have to play them on Christmas. That'll just be awesome for us. Uh, well, if the 49ers can beat them, I will be having a very happy Christmas. That's true. Uh, so do you have a final prediction for Niners Jacks? Yes, I do. I think it's going to be 27 to 17. Ooh. 49ers. Okay. I would take that. That would, how much better would you feel if this, if the 17 we're talking about after this game is not the number of points, the offense scored, it's the number of points, the defense allowed. That would be a life changing event for me. 27, 17. All right. I'll take it. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I'm hoping for like 24-17. I would settle for that. That would be just fine with me. But I really think the Niners are going to win this game because of the desperation factor. I think Kyle's going to do what Kyle does and try and take the game out of Brock Purdy's hands as much as possible. We're still back in the hide the quarterback mode, but Kyle's had a lot of practice at it. Debo will help with that. Christian McCaffrey will help with that. Might not be pretty, but that's okay. Brock said it yesterday. 
we just need a win. And that's exactly where I feel this team is. And I think they finally recognize it. Yeah. And if Brock Purdy had these games, not back to back, right. If they were like split up, no one would be thinking anything of it. He's still is top two in the league and passer rating. Like he leads the NFL with 9.1 yards per attempt is second in passer rating this year. Like, and that's with two bad, two bad fourth quarters. Last week, it was really just the fourth quarter. So Brock Purdy's still killing it. It's just, it happened to be, had some turnovers in the last couple of games. I mean, look at Josh Allen. He turns over the ball every five seconds. Yeah. But he also scores a hell of a lot of touchdowns that the problem with Brock the last couple of weeks is that his bad plays have been so much more impactful than his good plays. And he's had a bunch of good plays. Like you talked about the play before his stupid interception at the end of the third quarter, he had a fantastic scramble that picked up a first down and, and was all him. Nobody was open. He just ran and picked up like, you know, eight or nine yards, whatever it was. That's a great play. But the problem was the play that came after it was so much more impactful in the game. If his if his his good plays this week are the impactful plays, they'll win. He can have some bad plays as long as they're not crippling turnovers. Forty plus yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuk this week. Calling. Oh, okay. There we go. Let's end on that. Let's end on a positive note. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate everybody that watched and commented and liked the, the broadcast and the channel. Thank you so much. Please continue to do it. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Pods, please. That is one of the best ways you can help support the show. Remember, I will be live in the Instant Reaction Show right after the game. Uh, like uh, on the YouTube channel, just click the little bell. You'll get notified when we go live. I will be here with you. Uh, Deborah says, my first game is Sunday. So excited. Welcome to the club, Deborah. My first game Ooh. was earlier this year. It is fantastic. I hope you have an awesome time. Uh, hopefully the weather, it might rain. So I hope it doesn't rain on you. And I hope it doesn't rain because Brock sucks in the rain, but enjoy the game. And for the crossover podcast this week, I talked with Mike Dempsey, who's the co-host on Jaguars game day on their radio network. We went inside the team where he thinks they're vulnerable, why he is not scared of the 49ers rushing attack. Uh, Mike was very generous with his time. So uh, please go and check that out. That's going to drop on the channel tomorrow. Michelle, what do you got going on the weekend? Oh man. Well, it's raining here all weekend. So fun times, but we are, uh, we have a little friend get together tomorrow. So we'll be hanging out. It'll be fun. That's pretty much it. And then I work all Sunday. You have any fun plans? I know you don't like to leave the house. No, why would I, why would I leave the house? All the TVs are here. <laughs> Hopefully sooner or later we can uh, be in the same city and hang out. Yeah, that'd be nice. Be in the same. It'd be nice to even be in the same state at the same time. Well, I'll settle yeah. for that. You know, I would like to actually see you, so I won't settle for that. Okay. Wow, that's very nice of you. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you after the game. Bye, y'all. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.